I met my best friend Anne in 1985. And the Babysitter's Club kept her friendship alive. Then Emily was born in 1988. And she said, Thanks, Aunt Esme. These books are great. Now we're all grown up and we're living our dreams. As a writer and a scholar and an expert on teens. And we're gonna start again from the very first book because we're stuck. Welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. Today we're discussing book 55, Jesse's Gold Medal. You guys feel that Olympic spirit? I, Pomp and Circumstance just popped into my head, which is not the right song. <laughs> no. What is the Olympics? It's like, do, 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 do. Is that how it goes? Oh. Yeah, that sounds do, right. Do, do. No, that sounds like no. another song. No, that's a different song. <laughs> yeah. Emily, do you know? I Why would I know that? No. <laughs> okay. Well, let's just get into our one sentence summaries then. Uh, mine is um, Stony Brook gets Olympic fever. Oh, that's a very oh. good summary. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went with Mallory sprains her ankle so she doesn't have to compete in a very low stakes athletic <laughs> event. Yeah, I yeah. think that's yeah. That was a little shocking also, to me, to be honest. Uh yeah. I not surprisingly, as a adolescent psychologist, I zeroed in on that as well. Um, but I noticed uh three different themes. So I said, Jesse dabbles at another complex activity requiring much practice, Mal dabbles in self-injury, and Christy and Alan dabble in dominance and submission. Oh. True. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah she gets real, real intense with the yeah. servant for a week situation right? dynamic. I was, I like, was a little like, Eesh. yeah, a little I, into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like lot. that could be if that had happened earlier in the like the book, that could have been another lesson learned for the babysitters club. Oh, for sure. Yeah, lesson mm. missed there. Mm-hmm. Although Alan's in good humor about it in the last line of the book, so everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you guys, we should probably back up and tell you about the members of the podcast. I'm Esme Schaller, an adolescent psychologist. I'm kind of bossy, but I have a big heart. I'm Emily Crandall, a feminist scholar. I'm a total individual and I like health food. No laughing. Just a smile, mm. though. And I'm Anna Chikala, a freelance writer. I'm a mischievous pragmatist with a sweet tooth. And if you want to learn more about us and how we know each other, check out our prologue episode. Also, rate and review us. It really helps people find the podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, or commentary about anything BSC-related, drop us a line at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com. And you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash stuckinstonybrook. Speaking of Patreon, we have a BSC Big Five, long overdue. From our very first patron, Heather. Heather, thank you so much for bearing with us as we uh, very slowly <laughs> make our way yeah. through. Yes, thank you, Heather. BSC Big Fives. We really appreciate yeah. you. Yeah, we've just had to do a lot of research into mm. this, mm-hmm. so it's yeah. kind of like you know yeah. delayed things a little bit. Now it's yeah. real science. Yeah, yeah, it's a very very complex process to figure out what parts of each babysitter you, our listeners, have based on important information about your middle school selves. So thank you, Heather. And we're happy to 
jump in and yeah, tell you as more we about had it. to apply for a grant through her yeah. work. Okay, I'm going to read this letter. <laughs> is that all right with you two? Do, yeah. Is there anything else <laughs> yes. you want to say? Yes, go ahead. <laughs> Are you sure? May I? Okay. Um, Heather writes, I just discovered your podcast and I'm totally obsessed going through your old Instagram posts like a stalker. I would love to know my BSC Big Five if the offer is still good. As much as I loved the BSC as a kid, I didn't really identify with a particular character. Matilda was my literary identity of choice. Hell yeah. Mm. So super curious about my results. Okay. Um, so first... Her school stuff. Yeah. First school-related stuff is teacher's pet overachiever, except in math and science. Perfectionist. Prefer rote learning exams and busy work to open-ended projects. All or nothing. Uh, stayed home for a day in high school to finish homework and because depression. One day turned into a week, turned into a month. Next thing I knew, I went from AP classes to a school for kids with severe behavioral disorders, which wasn't me. Just didn't didn't go, didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Um, repeated the same thing twice in college. Third time was the charm. Graduated summa cum laude, but only because I didn't ever let myself miss a single class. This is so interesting. I'm trying to figure out. I feel like we've talked before about which sitter we would anticipate to struggle with, mm-hmm. like, later adolescence kind of depression and things like yeah. that. But I can't remember what we had, what we'd come to. So fast forward a decade, I've fallen into the same thing at work, going from being a high achiever to doing the bare minimum, kind of oscillating between the two. Um, man, interesting. Okay. So a pattern that begins sort of in school and then mm-hmm. cont- continues on. Okay. Um, for a follower, a leader, follower, but with strong opinions that I usually keep between me and my introvert self and litigate the issue in my internal monologue. People ah. pleaser, serial apologizer. Are, are you mad at me? <laughs> Obliger turned rebel with Gretchen Rubin as the reference point there. Hmm. Um, that that's that gives me Marianne vibes. Marianne vibes. Hard Marianne vibes yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fashion sense. Casual at best. Jeans are my fancy. Sweatpants are life. Also mainly Disney themed. C number six. Okay. Oh, teaser. Okay. <laughs> um. Period. Sixth grade, age 12, didn't know what to do. Flush pads for months, ruined the septic pump. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I hear that. That's rough. Yeah. Um, first quick kiss with seventh grade, quote unquote, boyfriend. First actual boyfriend in 10th grade. Scared him off after a few months by being too clingy. Classic. Almost nice. immediately dated another guy in which he was, he was the clinger. And I cut things off almost immediately. Couple of unmatched. Makeout session. Oh, unattached. I read unmatched and I was like, I don't know what that means. Um, like unparalleled. <laughs> yeah. Makeout session. I was thinking, actually thinking that they were like mismatched. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, met future husband at 19. Had never done anything beyond kissing before meeting him together for 16 years now. Okay. okay. Mm. So some serial monogamy stuff, but also mm-hmm. some, I mean, I feel like the the time at which to have your first kiss, according to the BSC, is seventh or eighth grade. Like maybe yeah. six if you're lucky. So that's that's right on track with kind of all of them. Yeah. I do feel like both Claudia and Stacy would have been uh, maybe a little bit more experienced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Quote unquote experienced. Yeah. Um, okay. Hardcore fangirl ever since I was a kid. Hello, BSC. Usually it was a TV show. Now it's Disney parks. I'm one of those Disney adults that you hear about. <laughs> also <laughs> naps. Okay. So those, those are Heather's hobbies and interests. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and then she added an addendum. Just listen to episode 13. Maybe I'm 55% Christy. The if I like you, I'm the most thoughtful person ever. If I don't, you're dead to me thing is very me. <laughs> Fair enough. Yep. Yeah. Ah, and if we're doing stuck in Stony Brook, big three, I'm definitely an Esme. <laughs> nice. 
Okay. And very much not a Melissa Walker. I took babysitting very seriously. Thank you very much. Very good. I like okay. I like that addendum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So we definitely have some Marianne vibes. What what jumps out at you, Anne? Well, I feel like she is um emotionally not complicated, but like mm-hmm. emotionally uh in her teen years, she mentioned depression several times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to me, that means she's very sensitive mm-hmm. a little yeah. bit. Um, so that kind of jumped out at me. Um, yeah. And I think when we had talked about who would have a harder time in later adolescence, it was Mallory that we mm-hmm. centered on um, with potentially Dawn in the background. But this this reads more Mallory-y to me mm-hmm. than yeah. anything else. So like strong Mallory, strong Marianne. I could also um, see Mallory having that kind of like... Total excelling until something's no longer clicking mm-hmm. and then like mm-hmm. kind of utterly giving up, not yeah. giving up on it, but like unable to continue, unable to continue. Yeah. yeah. N- not, not yeah. Ha- having adequate support and not mm-hmm. knowing what was happening. Mm-hmm. Unless it's, it's Jello. Right. And then she's very determined to get it. <laughs> well, right. that's, that's Marianne, not that's, Mallory. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about Marianne. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I was thinking that I could see that being a Mallory pattern or a Mallory like cycle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not I'm not hearing really any Stacy. Mm. You guys see any Stacy in here? I don't think so. No. Okay. So zero for Stace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also not really hearing any Jesse. I feel like mm. Jesse does not give up on things apropos to this book, but also in general. Like, yeah, I feel like it, if Jesse were unfortunately to have clinical depression, I feel like hers would take the form of kind of running herself into the ground. Yeah. As opposed to avoiding avoiding and like, as opposed to staying, like being unable to move, it would, it would look more irritable and raggedy than disappearing. Um, I don't know. I just don't see, I don't see as much of that. Yeah. I also feel like Jesse's not, not like a people pleaser. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Or a fangirl. Like Jesse's not Mm -hmm. particularly obsessive. Like she's, ballet is really important to her, but it's not like we see her, you know, the way Mallory gets like super invested in her favorite authors or like some of the like Cla- Claude or Stacy will get invested in bands like Mal's. Um, Jesse's not a fangirl. Mm. OK, so zero Jesse also. Yeah, but I feel mm. like everyone I feel like everyone needs like one percent because everyone likes Disneyland. <laughs> oh, oh, good all point. The girls. Yeah. They all okay. love Disney parks. Yes. Okay. 1% Stacy, okay. 1% Jesse. Okay. Good call, Anne. Good call. Yeah. They all have yeah. that in common. Okay. So, uh, it, to me, like the Mallory, Marianne are the most present. Mm-hmm. And then I think that the self diagnosis Christy thing is, is on point. Mm hmm. Well, and I think um, you didn't read this part, but um, what, the reason that she chose me was saying that she's also a fan of whimsy. And I feel like that's mm. the thing that connects Christy and Claudia. Mm. I think they're both a little bit whimsical. Um, and I think Claudia has the potential, like definitely we see Claudia fangirl, like about the artists that she gets to work with in New York and like other times she gets really obsessive about things. So I see a little bit of like appreciating art and getting really mm-hmm. deep into something is a is a Claudia thing. Mm-hmm. So okay, so leading Marianne and Mallory, some Christy and Claudia. What about Dawn? I don't know. Except for the Disney thing. 
Yeah. Right. But, I mean, casual fashion. That's true. Yeah. I also feel like her description of her romantic relationships. Oh, could be Don. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good point. Okay. So we think like 10% Don? Yeah, I think so. Okay. What percent? Yeah, Don Don would never ruin a septic pump, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Well, Don wouldn't use disposable pads. Don would use like a, a cup or, you know, cloth pads or something. Anyway. In 1992? I, there were people doing it. Especially if you were in a hippie enclave. There were people, do, you know, less people, but there were fewer people, but there were people doing it. Okay. what? How much Mariana Mallory and how much Christine Claude? Uh, I think Claudia is the least of those three. Mm-hmm. More, um, more Claudia than Don, though? Yeah, I think so. 15? 20? 15. Okay. We'll work our way up. And then Christy? Like... Mm-hmm. 24. Okay. <laughs> then do we think she's most Mallory or most Marianne? Mallory. I think most Mal. Okay. So how much Mal? How much MA? 50, 30. I don't know. Those are just numbers I pulled out. But they sound All right. Good. Emily, how's that sound wow, to you? Way to undermine our claim to scientific <laughs> accuracy. <laughs> uh, those sound good. I would say maybe a little higher on the Mal. And yeah. a little higher on the very end. Okay, like so 60, 90, 40. 60, like, 40. Okay. Like 99, 98. <laughs> oh my God, Anne. The, the numbers, the calculations in the statistics program are really giving Anne trouble today. I'll have to give her a new lesson on SPS. I'm sorry, Anne, that I didn't help you run it well enough. Okay, so that leaves us. Heather, you are 60% Mallory, 40% Marianne, 24% Christy. 15% Claudia, 10% Dawn, and 1% each Jesse and Stacy because everyone loves the Disney parks. Yay. Perfect. Excellent. Thanks for playing, Heather. Love it. Love it. Love it. Ah. So speaking of Jesse, what uh, what happens in this book? This is our uh, third Peter Lorangis book. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I like him as a ghostwriter. Yeah. yeah. I think he's pretty accurate to the Aunt Anna Martin voice, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. So he did Dawn and the Big Sleepover, and he did Claudia and the Genius of Elm Street. And then Logan's Story, which comes out the month, the same month or the month after this book. But we've already done it, as people know. Yes. So, Well, I mean, everything revolves around some sort of sport competition in this Mm -hmm. book. It is the the real Olympics are going on Mm -hmm. in 1992. I was unreasonably proud of myself that I remembered it was Barcelona that year because I do not pay a lot of attention to the Olympics, but I was only 14. So like I did pay some attention I mean, that year. <laughs> I, I do think the 1992 Olympics were like one of the more famous ones mm-hmm. or like what, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think in my opinion, um, mm. it's also just back then there was no internet. So there was right. less distraction like this was like all over. This is like the media that we had at the time. Right. And this exactly. was all we had. If you like, didn't have it cable, on, it was on the major networks and yes. you were watching it. Yeah. That's what you were watching. Yeah. That's true. Um, so there is Stony Brook Middle School Olympic type thing. And then Jesse has a great idea to also do like an Olympics for all the um, kids they babysit for. Mm-hmm. A mini Olympics. Yeah. And what's the Stony Brook thing called? The sports festival? The SMS sports festival? I don't remember. But sure, let's call it that. I think it's the sport festival or something of that nature. Okay. 
Um, and yeah, but did you ever have anything like that in your middle school or elementary school, Emily? I have no clue. I don't think so. Yeah. We had, we had Crocker Riverside physical fitness day and Anne like freaking cleaned up. She would get so I many did. ribbons. Yeah. <laughs> I pretty much won everything. She was good at all of the events. It was bonkers. Yeah. yeah. I am not an athlete today though. I am, <laughs> I'm someone who sits in a chair all day in front of a computer. Um, so, and then uh jesse basically gets like scouted kind mm-hmm. of for synchronized swimming because mm-hmm. her arms are just so graceful her form's <laughs> so amazing um so she gets paired up with a girl named elise to be pairs for the competition and jesse mm-hmm. choreographs the routine but she's very nervous because it's not ballet mm-hmm And she feels not as confident about her abilities as a synchronized Mm -hmm. swimmer, which, by the way, is really difficult. Yeah, really hard. Really, really hard. Um, So I'm pretty amazed that, you know, she picked up on something so hard so quickly. Well, I did think (laughs) that they had, well, A, she put in like tons and tons of hours. But Mm -hmm. B, I liked this premise that the coach was like, Elise, you're the strongest swimmer, but you have no basically no grace, like no dancing ability. And Jesse, you're the best dancer, but you don't have any swimming ability. Help each other. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That was sort of the premise is that Elise was like a champion swimmer and could win all the races on her swim team and was really strong in the water, but was mm-hmm. clunky. And Jesse was not that strong, but was beautiful in her presentation. So they were supposed to like help each other out. So are we assuming Jesse's swimming skills are pretty like average? Like it would be like one of us learning how to. Well, <laughs> I don't think it would be like one of us because none of us are doing ballet like six hours a week. Like Jesse is strong to begin mm-hmm. with. Right. Um, no, if I'll, I'll just speak about myself. Maybe each either of you could jump into synchronized swimming, but I definitely cannot do more than a couple laps before getting winded so like that would I'm, not, I'm not be. I am not a, a good swimmer so mm. I think I could do it <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that I know that pause was like oh Emily mm-hmm. thinks she could do it yeah <laughs> totally all right when we go on our family vacation in Tahoe this summer re- listeners I will take a video of Emily demonstrating a tub turn uh, and wait who's gonna be I can't Emily. synchronize swim by myself wait. What, who am I synchronized with yeah, Karen, who would Karen, you? your sister oh yeah oh I yeah, yeah. Totally. Uh, is that who you would pick as your partner among the people that we go on family vacation with yes <laughs> yeah okay all right June might be a good pick though I think that my mom and Aunt Mel could um, put on a funny show together. Oh, I like a I like a sisters versus sister. <laughs> oh yeah, the Julie little May May competition. It, and then, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have we have three sets of within two years sisters in our family: Emily and her sister, and my sister Emily's mom and her sister, and then my two children. So yeah, we could do a cross generational. I don't know. I feel like, no offensively, but I feel like my money is on your mom and Mill. Yeah. <laughs> they are really good at roller skating. Yeah. In in sync. So Yeah. I feel like that's a transferable skill. <laughs> well, by that measure, you guys would be good at synchronizing. I know. Swimming. Anne and I would be good at it if no, that's, that's true. <laughs> I was blown away at your 40th birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. I so listeners, I went underneath as Esme's legs while roller skating. Yeah, between them. Yeah, between them. Yes. Yeah, it was very impressive. While yeah. they were both roller skating. Yeah, yeah, we <laughs> were both moving. Yeah, we're good at roller skating. That's why I had my party there. Yeah. Too bad it made my other friend get a concussion. It's a lot of people are not good at roller skating. It turns out. Yeah, when you're like middle age, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but my sisters were in their like you know late 50s early 60s and they were kicking ass crushing it so, yeah crushing mm-hmm. it yeah everybody was impressed anyway it, i agree with you Anne. it is i mean how much time it's like a month that jesse and elise practice right mm-hmm. but they practice like all the time they have their regular practices and then they go to the pool and practice like every day after school and on weekends they're just like driven yeah i mean i w- i wish this was uh one of the episodes of the netflix show <laughs> That would have been good. That would have been really good. Yeah. Um, And then the sports festival is happening. Uh, Marianne doesn't want to go, but like Charlotte Johansson talks her into like going and participating in a different way. So she sells lemonade. She like the the non-jocks support each other. But Mallory can't be honest with the other babysitters that she's not excited about it. So she literally sprains her ankle on purpose. Um, She says that she was going to fake sprain her ankle. But then she accidentally really did it because Mallory's a klutz like me. So, um, yeah, I'm a little worried about that. And then the big centerpiece, other than the synchronized swimming show, the centerpiece of the sports festival is the Battle of the Sexes. What did they call it? The co-ed obstacle challenge Mm -hmm. of Christy versus Alan Gray. Um, Yeah. Okay. I was on the edge of my seat. I was, I, I have to say the two, the two, Pages describing it were quite exciting, I thought. Alan falls and Christy falls. There's like, you know. This is Esme's idea of sports excitement. For sure. <laughs> yeah, yes. A Accurate. middle school obstacle course? Okay. Uh, no, yeah. it's in a book. I'm not actually there. Uh, <laughs> and I see. it's written in a way that focuses on character <laughs> instead yeah. of on the event itself. Come on the feet, the yeah, yeah the physical exactly. prowess. Exactly. Oh. Did you guys like this book? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I liked it. It was like it was an easy read, enjoyable. Um, sometimes it takes a little effort to get through a book. This mm-hmm. one, not so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was good too. I also thought, in contrast to the last few regular series books we've read, the the B and C plots actually all flowed together very nicely. Right. And there was nothing that was like a forced analogy mm-hmm. it was all olympics all the mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah which esme thinks might be Spawncon. yeah well i'm just saying coming off of the jello thing i was like oh is the olympic committee also talking to scholastic but you're probably right it's more similar to christy for president it was just in the zeitgeist and mm-hmm. anna martin wanted to it made sense yeah, as opposed sense. to jello being totally random in the egg baby situation well, oh, I see. I saw Egg Baby uh, trope this weekend. Are you guys watching the new League of Their Own? Yes. They have the Egg started. Baby. I saw that. Yeah, they have an Egg Baby in it. Um, it's short. It's more of a metaphor than a full Egg Baby trope, but still, mm. <laughs> still an Egg Baby. All right. Well, getting seeing as we're book fifty-five, I was nervous for a minute that I wouldn't have anything to say about this book, but I do have something to say about this book, which is. Um, I started just thinking about Jesse in this this psychological construct of grit, which I'm assuming you guys may have heard about in the media because it's been really big in the last 15 years or so. 
Mm-hmm. So it was originally described by Angela Duckworth, who's a researcher, um, research psychologist who was originally a teacher and became interested in what kind of personality factors help kids with lower resources succeed versus others that also have lower resources and don't. Um, and so she studied this concept of grit psychologically, which is basically just passion and perseverance for long-term goals. So it's related to self-control. It's related to conscientiousness, but it's not exactly the same. And you actually see it more often in things that are personally important to people than like in general across activities. And she created a construct to measure it. It was not something, obviously we had the word grit in the lexicon, but it was not something that was sort of studied scientifically prior to her very much. Um, But then since then, there's been over 600 studies on it in peer-reviewed journals since that time. So it's quite a big boom just in the last 15 years um, since she described it. So um, sounds like a lot of studies. <laughs> it's a lot of studies, you know, and some of them are small, but she she created a measure of grit. Um, so I wanted to know if you guys, uh, there's a shortened form that's only eight items. So I can give you guys the, the grit scale and let you know how gritty you are, like how much determination and passion you have. Which Are you interested to know? Kind of. Okay. <laughs> I feel like Anne and I are both going to score low on this scale. <laughs> All right, well, let's see. It's just eight questions, so listeners can play along. Okay. Okay. So new ideas and projects sometimes distract me from previous ones. And this is a five-point scale from not like me at all, not much like me, somewhat like me, mostly like me, to very much like me. That's how you're going to answer all of these. So like write like one through five. Yeah. Okay. Do you want us to just write it down? um, No, you can tell me because I'm going to have to Do we add them up at the end? So I should just write down the number? No, you don't add them up. Tell me. Because okay. there's a there's scoring. Oh, some okay. of them are added and some of them aren't. So I have to score it. So you have to tell I, me. Wait, I, I'm, I'm going to co- guess that's very much like me. <laughs> okay. Wait, so, also, like, is this um, this particular question, is this due to our personal interests or does it also have to do with work? It says, here are a number of statements that may or may not apply to you. For the most accurate score when responding, think about how you compare to most people, not just the people you know mm-hmm. well, but most people in the world. There are no yeah. right or wrong answers, just answer honestly. Because that question is like literally what I do for my job. Yeah. New ideas and projects <laughs> sometimes distract me from previous ones. Very I much s- to not at all. I think very much. Okay. And? I'm like sometimes. Okay. So the middle one? Yeah, three? but okay. yeah, the middle one. Okay. Setbacks don't discourage me. One. Not at all like me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anne? I mean, it depends. So you're going to uh, go with the middle again? I mean, I guess, yeah, sure. Three? I don't know. Okay. This is... I've been obsessed with a certain idea or project for a short time, but later lost interest. Five. <laughs> Very much like Emily. I don't know. I tend to, like, I do, I do try to finish what I start. Okay. So, so I'll, I'll... not like me? Not much like me? Uh, I would say not much like me. Okay. I am a hard worker. Very much like me to not like me at all. Three. Uh, yeah, I'll go three also. Okay. <laughs> I often set a goal, but later choose to pursue a different one. Five. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to go with... I don't really set goals. <laughs> so... <laughs> so I, I'm not, not like me at all? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a really goal-oriented person. Okay. Um, I have difficulty maintaining my focus on projects that take more than a few months to complete. Five. Yeah, I'll go with a four of that. 
Wait, can we back up to the other one that we just did? Yeah. I often set a goal, but later choose yeah. to pursue a different one. And I feel like you're not displaying much grit in completing this grit <laughs> quiz. <laughs> I mean, I feel like when I set my mind to something, I definitely do it. It's just that I don't do that very often. Okay. So somewhat like me, this isn't somewhat. about whether you set goals. This is about let, whether okay. you ch- per, you set a goal and then change. Yeah. I'll, I'll stick with my original answer. Okay. Not like me at all. All right. Um, this is really funny given what Emily just said. I finish whatever I begin. <laughs> so very Zero? much like me to not at all like me. <laughs> oh, one. Sorry. <laughs> No, I think, okay, that's that's not entirely fair. You have a PhD. Yeah, but yeah. barely. I would say like three for that. Okay. Anne? Um, yeah, three, I guess. Okay. I am diligent. I say, I feel like I am diligent. Okay. So, but not the like a four. Okay. Yeah, I mean, when I work on something, I work on it well. It's just a matter of whether I right. continue mm-hmm. to work on it or not. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I would say I'm diligent. Okay. Four. So four? Okay. Yeah. All right. So now you guys need to talk to each other about grit for a second while I score this because some of them are reverse scored and stuff. So I'm going to mute myself. And you guys, here's my question for you that you can discuss. I started in thinking about Jessie as a person that has really high grit because we've seen it both with her like enduring the racism in Stony Brook and working really hard at ballet, learning uh, sign language for Matt Braddock and now in this book. And I actually think that this is one of those subliminal Anna Martin things where all of the girls actually have a lot of grit um, mm. if we look across the series. So I'd like you to discuss who, you, who, if you think that that's true or who you think lacks grit. But I think in their areas, each of them is quite gritty. And then I'll mute myself and score your, your scales here. Mm-hmm. But do you think Dawn is, has grit about health food? <laughs> I mean, she loves it, so. She loves and being an individual. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's, I think maybe like people who are that serious about babysitting at that young of an age just tend to display higher levels of grit by virtue of their commitment to like being responsible and like making sure that the parents of the kids that they watch for trust them and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think the Babysitter's Club as a sample size is going to be skewed toward grit for yeah. the reason that they're an organized group of girls who share this common interest of like caring for children and being responsible. Yeah. Also, yes. And I feel like they are for their age, very, uh, they have a lot of confidence, even though some of them are not so confident, they still are very, they feel like assured with who they are as people, mm-hmm. which I don't know when Esme comes back on, but I'm sure there's a correlation between confidence and just ignoring yourself and Mm -hmm. grit and knowing like what you want. And I think they're very like commitment oriented, right? Like Mm -hmm. they all make good on their commitments and that's something that's really valuable to them. But I, you had a question for me and I heard you say, I want to ask Esme if this is correlated or what it was. It's like a confidence Relates Self, to self confidence related to grit. Yeah, I think that it is. Um, it's definitely. Um, so I'm going to post with the episode a really good FAQ with a bunch of citations that Angela Duckworth has on her like academic page, um, because there's also a lot of, um, as you would imagine, a lot of criticism of like, but aren't aren't basically aren't sociological constructs more important? Like, why study this individual factor when we have 
schools that are underfunded and systemic racism and all of these other things that are keeping people down. And, and her answer is very dialectical. It's like both and. Like, I don't think this is more important than those things. And probably those things are more important. And if we can learn to teach this and help people develop this, it can help us push against those systems as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So what it's decidedly predictive of is um, happiness and success. And success obviously is a really soft thing. And so she she talks about like reaching goals in particular area and success as being kind of individually defined. But a lot of people are like, well, isn't happiness more important than grit? Um, And she's like, depends on who you are. And I think they're both important. And I'm not defining success as like making the most money. I'm defining success Mm -hmm. as like reaching your goals or like, you know, learning the synchro routine and that people who have higher grit tend to also have higher attainment of their own goals and thus higher happiness, Mm -hmm. which I think would kind of feed back into self-confidence, right? Because we feel confident when we achieve our goals. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't read all 600 studies that there are on it. So I can't tell you. (laughs) You're really underprepared for this episode. I know, I know. Okay. So um, hold on, let me let me get the final answer though here. Um, so what are your predictions based on your answers? No to low grit <laughs> <laughs> for <laughs> no to low grit for both of you. For me, <laughs> okay. I think Anne had too many follow up questions. Frankly, yeah, so yeah. You, you think not, hers is just not not accurate. I mean, this yeah. is also why I'm not a good test taker because I'm always like, like multiple choice. I'm like, mm, oh, yeah. no. Okay, so um, I have some em- issue with the test. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's totally. Yeah. So Emily, you you are correct. Anne has about twice as much grit as you. Nice. Um, so it's the it comes to an average on a scale. So someone who scores a five is extremely gritty. And someone who scores a one is not at all gritty on her. And this is a shortened version, right? So it correlates highly with the longer version, but we took the shortened version for podcast reasons. So um, Emily, you scored a 1.375. Nice. <laughs> and Anne, you scored a 2.625. So we're both so pretty low. Like, yeah. yeah. We're both below average. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you're like half gritty, Anne. Yeah, and, uh, and, I mean, yeah. but it's Emily's just like twenty five gritty. I'm, yeah. I'm gritty about what I care about, but right. like that's very much my personality. It's like I don't. But that's true for most people, and actually, yeah. I think she's done some work showing that if you're gritty all of the time, that just leads to burnout. Right? Mm-hmm. That's not good. And and this and I actually think we get that lesson from Jesse. Like she and Elise both decide, no, you know, we're this was fun to try. We worked really hard. Certainly, it was great to be recognized by by winning the gold medal, but we're going to go back to our primary sports. Well, that's okay. It's great. Yeah. But like the correlation between grit and competition, like that's like a different thing, I feel, because I feel like I can be very stubborn um, and determined when Mm -hmm. I feel like it's in terms of like a competition or Mm -hmm. also proving someone wrong. I feel Mm -hmm. like. I can be very, which is basically being stubborn. Yeah, that's different. Okay. That's different. Yeah. Is there a stubborn quiz? I, I mean, like <laughs> I could make one. <laughs> yeah. I feel like both. Grit are not the same yeah. because grit is, again, that's so it's weird that there are questions in your quiz. Like, how mean are you to your friend of 40 years? Like, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. How often do you like to make one of the closest people to you in your life cry? Very often, <laughs> not at all often. Like, do you say that things are part of your friend's personalities that are really just interests that they have? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's five. five. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, All right. Well, did you guys have fun finding out how gritty you are? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel bad about myself. Being right about it. Oh, I do not. (laughs) Should I have more grit? I think you're fine. Yeah, I feel like that's that's a good amount of grit. I don't really want more grit than that. That's why I moved. That's why I love New York. I'm like, right. I don't, everyone here is this so fucking too gritty. Much grit. <laughs> I don't know. I think it. I think it suits a 1.37 just fine. <laughs> oh my god! Fantastic. Well, listeners, if you want to take your own grit measure, you can find it at the at the link to Angela Duckworth's page in our podcast description. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, Esme, that you already flagged that the 1992 Olympics were in Barcelona because I was going to actually bring that up in my my corner for today go for um, it i was thinking a lot so there's like a ton a ton of scholarship on like the geopolitics of sports in general but in the olympics in particular um and there's a lot of like really good uh sort of like leftist criticism of the olympics as a uh, a kind of like a uh, spectacle that relies on and promotes nationalism and like all these kinds of other things. But there's a lot of, um, also a lot of like gender and class politics to kind of the, the assembling of an Olympic village. And right now there's a lot of, uh, ongoing worry about upcoming Olympics and sort of the, the history of how authoritarian and fascist regimes have been sort of rendered legitimate uh, or mm-hmm. like a mm-hmm. mode of acceptable, acceptable. Yeah. and they tend to like really support and like the Olympic Games. I mm-hmm. think in part because of this this sort of like facade of of democracy among nations that mm-hmm. is required for the Olympics to even sort of take place in the first place. But the the interesting thing about the ninety two Olympics is that Barcelona has a really really robust and really bloody. Um, history, political history. Mm-hmm. And it's it it has been a site of like a variety of kind of left um left-leaning sort of political rebellions. And the the guy who was the president of the Olympic Committee the year that it, that Barcelona was selected was actually a had 50 years prior been a young fascist in the Spanish mm. Civil War. And there's like this kind of Olympic, there's this new like Olympic museum that's on Mount Juc in Barcelona. That's just kind of like this bland, like nationalistic celebration of like how the, how the Olympics coming to Barcelona symbolizes the healing of, of Mm. Spain on this site that was like this horribly bloody site where you know, leftists, anarchists, and all these other people, Republicans were like viscerally murdered and so there's mm-hmm. this a lot there was a lot of kind of um commentary on mm-hmm. on that the sort of glossing over of mm-hmm. um that history and the, the kind of like cl- subtle some sometimes subtle sometimes explicit claim that like those factions don't exist anymore and that mm-hmm. Spain is just this kind of like neutral democratic place where right. we no longer we don't have fascism anymore but we also don't have a left anymore and like the problem was the discrepancy between the left and the fascist, not, um, you know, not like the fact of fascism itself. Right. Mm, <laughs> and so mm-hmm. like, and there's this, and this happens a ton in like moderate democratic context. I mean, in the U S right in American history, you can make your way through a whole 
you know, depending on where you go to college, I guess, but a whole lifetime of studying American history and never really learn anything about American socialism and the American Communist Party, right? It's kind of one of those things that gets written out. And the Olympics are often a kind of site where national narratives get repackaged and sort of um, watered down Mm-hmm. for the purpose of like participation in the spectacle. So I just mm-hmm. I just thought it was interesting that I had been I was like looking up um specifically whether there were any geopolitical kind of controversies surrounding the mm-hmm. 92 Olympics and I was like oh the history of Barcelona yeah of course there was. So yeah. it's funny that that was like the first thing that you said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. That's really interesting cuz I feel like that's something that you know until Anne and I did our like year rail trip after we graduated from college in 2000. Like I didn't know anything about the Catalan people and that there was like everybody didn't want to be a part of Spain and that Spain actually was different regions. Like I think coming from the U.S. and even coming from the state of California, like every European country is so tiny that the like in physical size that the idea that there's multiple groups of people (laughs) who didn't agree on how to be governed within, you know, an area that is smaller than my home state seems I, I just it just wasn't something we learned about and Ann and mm-hmm. I literally went to a magnet program in high school called the humanities and international studies program and I don't think I mean I don't remember learning anything about the Catalan the Spanish Civil War yeah. like yeah so yeah, it wasn't until we were like literally in Barcelona that we're like oh they speak a different language here like fascinating <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and I mean you know and the leftists today are like deeply, deeply critical of mm-hmm. the Olympics. And in, and in part that there is this kind of continuing ongoing sort of dulling of the criticism of authoritarianism and rise of fascism that happens as part of the spectacle of coming together as nations. And like the Olympic village is sort of hailed as this global microcosm mm-hmm. and, you know, everybody this is occupying the same space and we're competing, but it's friendly. And then like, we don't talk about the human rights abuses. And then like within the sports themselves, I think it's interesting that synchronized swimming is the sport that is Jesse, where Jesse's gold medal is. Cause that also has a really horrible, horrible history. There's really? like, Oh yeah. There's been a ton of really famous coaches who've been gotten in trouble for like wild kinds of abuse. And it's also the the one swimming sport that only women do at the Olympic level. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of kind of discourse around whether there should be men's synchronized swimming and what the kind of like gender dynamics of of the fact that it's still only only women who do it. Um so it has a lot of there's a lot of like questions around sexism and questions around abuse and that kind mm-hmm. of thing that have been sort of following the sport around at the Olympic level as well. So I was like, ooh. Well that makes sense to me because I feel like it shares some DNA with other most abused female sports, right? So like, you like know, gymnasts. Just, yeah, like gymnasts and figure skaters. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's some like this focus on your presentation, focus on looking a certain way, uh, small mm-hmm. outfits. I mean, I guess a mm-hmm. lot of athletes have small outfits, but not winter Olympians. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, but but figure skaters are in the Winter Olympics and they have the smallest outfits in the Winter Olympics, even though it's really mm-hmm. cold. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think that the, all of that is a sort of perfect storm for abuses like that to occur. So it's not surprising. I just don't really know anything about synchronized swimming. So, yeah. Yeah. And I thought I mean, it's interesting, too. I don't I don't think this book does any like rah rah America by having the Olympics as the backdrop necessarily. But mm-hmm. like, I think having 
the Global Olympics as the backdrop for what happens among the kids, the camaraderie among the middle schoolers, and then again among the babysitting charges, it does do that thing that kind of Mm -hmm. neutralizes the dimension of the Global Olympics that is really about nationalism and Mm -hmm. um, that has a really, really robust and kind of awful geopolitical history. So there's there's just a slight kind of like... Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, political gloss that I think mm-hmm. is portrayed here through the kind of layering of those things on on one another. But yeah, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Just a small little mm-hmm. criticism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting that definitely the Olympics are are weird in that way. Even though I like the Olympics, like it's, but also like all all sports are kind of like that. Oh, like hundred percent, and it's very like I'm always like, it's interesting. It's just like identity, your identity gets wrapped up in these things, right? Mm-hmm. And they, 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 people get really obsessed, and like it becomes like this crazy, like um, very life consuming kind of obsession. And I think we don't really understand how much sports have to do with politics, like at, at the mm-hmm. global level, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at like Premier League soccer, right? It's mm-hmm. like the most watched league of a sport all over the world. And all those teams are owned by like Saudi princes or oil moguls. And mm-hmm. like they trade and sell, you know, like owners, the teams have owners that like trade mm-hmm. and sell players. Like the American NFL is to me so abhorrent. It's like all these old white guys who like trade and sell young black athletes. Like, well, and knock their heads together to ruin the rest of their lives. But right, it's like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, but yeah, this it's, is depressing. Yeah, <laughs> but it is weird. As someone who was who was a sports fan and likes the Olympics, it is like as I got older, I was like, this is fucked up. Yeah, like, yeah. Just like football is particularly weird and bad. Yeah. But like in any sport, basketball. Yeah, and then suddenly Baseball, you win a competition sorry, and you find but yourself. Like, you know, it's all kind of, it's all capitalist and it makes money for people. Of course. And, you know, but the heart of it, it's like the reason I like sports is because in the Olympics, it's like, like people are very talented physically. And I think that is very impressive. Like yeah. I was like, wow, like you really can't fake I that. I could never do that. Like you yeah. can't really fake it. Like you either can run fast or you're not that fast. And I think that's interesting, but yeah. We could do drugs. Yes. There is a lot of enhanced athleticism out there. But look, I mean, first, you know, first it's all fun and games and then Mm -hmm. you win a contest and suddenly you have a servant. (laughs) I know it's that it goes. Yeah, man. That's when I decided to like, you know, not pursue my professional career as an athlete. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't really want to go down that path. No, you didn't want <laughs> very some, prescient some boy that we went to high school with making your parents coffee. Yeah, <laughs> that actually I sounds mean, great. That's the thing. It's like sports are weird. Like as Emily, you played sports too, but didn't at some point for me, I was like, there's a a, a direct, uh, like relationship between how I feel about sports and also why I'm freelance. I was like. <laughs> I was like, I just don't like this organization. Like, mm. I don't like the hierarchy. I don't like the people I'm playing with. I don't like my coworkers. I don't like, you know, it's like all of that. I don't, so, 
<laughs> so being a misanthrope is correlated. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, but yeah. it's like, it is very, I mean, I just remember from being in my high school, it's like whoever sucked up to the coach got more playing time. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. He sucks. And it's like very similar in an office environment. It's like you suck up to your boss, you get further in your career. And I was like, no, it's not really for me. Yeah. And well, yeah, when, when you're a teenager, there's like so many other people who have a mm-hmm. say in what goes down, right? Like yeah. someone has a parent that is like, thinks that they know on everything the about everything. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. And is friends with the school superintendent, which somehow matters for like mm-hmm. whether or not you have a good time playing a, a right. game that you like. Yeah. It's silly. Anyway, so uh, something fun about the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> but I, well, some, one thing I wanted to talk about was I thought it was interesting how they, uh, the, the sport they assigned to each babysitter and how it like reflected their personality. Mm-hmm. Except I, I'm not sure where Stacy was going with the breaststroke, but I was like, yeah. I can see her being a swimmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dawn, a very individual sport. She chose. She do javelin. Sorry. Javelin. Yeah. And I was like, is that even like available in like a middle school? Like <laughs> who has like a javelin? That's very strange to me. They probably borrowed it from Stony Brook High. Right. Uh, running backwards is very Claudia. <laughs> I really liked the description. Yeah, I thought of that, that was cute. Yeah. yeah. I really uh, liked her outfit too. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Wait, we have to pause and read that outfit because it was really, really great. Do we remember where that was? She was wearing hot pink shorts with a racing stripe, a ponytail with an Olympic like logo. Like barrette. Barrette yeah. or something. Oh yeah, here it is. Okay. Take Audia. She was wearing electric pink track shorts with a turquoise with a turquoise racing stripe, a matching top with cutoff sleeves, brand new high top track shoes with no socks, and floral print suspenders. Her no hair socks? Was, no yeah. socks. Her hair was pulled up on top of her head and held in place with a silver barrette in the shape of the Olympic symbol. If it had been an athletic wear fashion show, she would have won. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was so really, funny. It was really good. Awesome. Um, then Christy ran the 50-yard dash, I mm-hmm. believe, and, and the obstacle course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse, synchronized swimming. Marianne, nothing. Selling lemonade. Selling lemonade. <laughs> and, and Mallory hurt herself. Yeah. So I was... <laughs> I was like, okay, these all track, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then a, a question I like to always throw out to people when there is an Olympics going on is what sport do you think you could be good at? But and also which one would you want to do? Can can this is for me and all of the Marianne's listening, can you can you give me a list of choices of summer Olympic sports? And there's all swimming, diving, track and field. Let's see what else. I think there was like Gymnastic. equestrian, gymnastics. Uh, let's see. I would uh, want to be good archery. at gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Ooh, archery. I would be good at archery. I'm pretty good at archery. Um, I am. I'm a Girl Scout. I've, I've, I've I didn't say anything. You don't have to get defensive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would be good at archery. I would want to be good at gymnastics. I find gymnastics really impressive. Is that what you were saying, Emily? Yeah. yeah. That's what I would want to be good at. But I'm not. Um, I could be good at power walking. That's an Olympic sport. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, no, I actually think I would be. When I was an athlete, I was very, very fast. And I, my, the guy who was a cross country coach and the track coach was always trying to get me to quit volleyball to 
uh, run track or quit softball to run track. But I would have been a good sprinter, I think. Oh, beach volleyballs in the summer too. Could you beach volleyball? That'd be fun. Yeah. Oh, you can Um, do that. Sure. I mean, I love softball, but I'm not that good. Um, And like diving seems fun. I like heights and I like swimming, but I wouldn't ever be able to be graceful enough to do it appropriately. You don't know that? No, I do. (laughs) All the grit in the world would not not make that happen. I would. I think it'd be cool to do a track and field sport, mm-hmm. like the um, the pole, like the pole vault. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. the pole, like I feel like that yeah. would just be that seems like a video game to me, <laughs> or something. <laughs> it's like I don't. It's just a weird. That's a weird thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's so very do, amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, um, table tennis. Oh. Yeah, that's what I would kick out. Yeah, both me and Anne would be a gold medalist. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I'm really good at ping pong. So I would pick, I would either do pole vaulting or table tennis. Yeah, that's Or, fair. you know, more outliers of the Olympic sports, I suppose. Not the yeah. main, main, no, main Not the main events. <laughs> not the main events. Do they We'd have the gymnastics anymore? They do, yeah. I think. We'd be on like ESPN, like... The fifteen or yeah. something <laughs> like, um, and then so yeah, so it was in Barcelona. So in nineteen ninety two, the reason nineteen ninety two was a huge deal was because there was the dream team. Oh right! So that was like the first year when like professional NBA players were allowed to be on the Olympic team. And it was a huge deal. It was like icons of it was like Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, and Mike and Magic Johnson at the time had already like retired because he was HIV positive. So it was a big deal for him to actually play on this. And like mm-hmm. I watched a Magic Johnson documentary I, on like Apple TV, I think, mm-hmm. and he did talk about how he wanted to do that because. Mm-hmm. Kind of like be like, see, look, like yeah, it's okay, stigma. like yeah. you know. I think there was a part of an episode on the on the um, Jordan doc also that talked about that Olympic team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was a big deal. And then this is an interesting little trivia. So they re- they refer to him as the Dream Team, which was not. I, I did a little bit of research on it. it. Was not the first time people had referred that that type of team as a Dream Team. Like it's been a phrase used in journalism for a while, mm-hmm. um, but this is the first time it was like marketed as like this is the dream team. Interesting. So that Wait, was so is that where the colloquial phrase comes from? Like when people are like, oh, like three people yeah. in the room who are all good at something. This is the dream team. That was yeah. like, huh? I didn't realize that. So I mean, it was used before then, but like it wasn't in the popular lexicon of you know culture. And it it noted that just a couple years later, it was it was the dream team was used to describe O.J. Simpson's lawyers, which I thought was very interesting. Right? I was like, oh yeah, they did call them the dream team. They they borrowed the phrase from the Olympic team. Also, oh, so the reason Jesse kind of got what triggered her Olympic fever was they saw that billboard driving home from um ballet class Mm -hmm. that said like the first little drink of the summer olympics oh yeah Mm. so i was like oh what was the official drink of the summer olympics in in 1992 uh it seems like there were a couple 
<laughs> and they were sure. all owned by Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Coke itself was one of the drinks of, but I was like, really, Coke? So not a good thing to drink yeah. if you're a high-level athlete. <laughs> right. Um, and also another one was Powerade, mm-hmm. which was like, it's also like Gatorade, but owned by Coca-Cola. Yeah. Um, but worse. But worse. Not as good. And there was another drink called Aquarius, which is not popular. It's not sold in the USA, but mm. it's sold in like a lot of other countries. And it is owned by Coca-Cola, but it's a sports drink that's like, you know, do you know Picari Sweat? It's like mm-hmm. that Japanese drink. It's like mm-hmm. similar to that. Huh. So yeah, those were the official drinks of the 1992 <laughs> Summer Olympics. Very and then the good. last thing... So there's like a riddle that I didn't get in the book on page 60 where maybe I'm just an idiot, but <laughs> it's when Lenny Don't compete yanked, in the riddle solving part yeah, competition yeah. in the Olympics. Yeah. yeah. Lenny yanked two dumbbells off the ground and held them over his head. You can guess what Christy wanted to call him. I'll give you a hint. Lenny was holding one in each hand. Yeah. Dumbbell. That's oh. All. That's it? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> that's dumb. <laughs> okay. That's all I got. I like that you were worried that maybe you were dumb and then you decided that the joke was dumb. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, is this like supposed to be something more interesting? No. That's um, funny. I just wanted to call him a dumbbell. Yeah. Was there any Claudia candy? There was. There was ring dings, Milky Way pretzels, malted milk balls, and Oreos. Oh, well, yeah. I really wanted some malted milk balls when she said that. Mm-hmm. Do you like Whoppers, Emily? No. Hmm. Well, guess what's coming in the mail? <laughs> <laughs> You've oh, had them, right? You just don't a, like them. A Costco-sized yes. container of Whoppers <laughs> straight to straight to Brooklyn. I'm going to go put them in the rat holes outside. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tally's as me. Um, yeah, there are um, a fair amount. Again, I think we get a few more with the ghostwriters. So one individual, one health food, one bossy, one sensitive, one shy, one sophisticated, no exotic, no almond-shaped mm. eyes. Peter Larangis does not feel the need to exotify or fetishize Claudia. However, he does feel the need to describe Jesse's father's voice as the same as James Earl Jones, which made both me and Anne feel uncomfortable. I mean, that's cool that he sounds like James Earl Jones. I guess so, yeah. What if he really does sound like him? I know, he might really sound like him. It just has a little bit of a, like, insert famous black man here kind of, I don't know, doesn't it? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Just a little funky, that's all. But glad to Um, see exotic and almond go away, if, if only temporarily. Okay. I had one page with some weird lines on it. Okay. Um, and they're all, it's just Jordan Pike uh, <laughs> pretending to be, who is he pretending to be? Oh, Spuds yeah. Spuds Diamond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that he goes, yo, <laughs> walking around with his chest out and shoulders lifted high and waddling from leg to leg. So I feel like I've not, I don't think we've heard any of the kids say yo, use yo yet, have we? I don't know. I think we have heard the Pike triplets use yo. Okay. And they were like rapping. Oh, okay. Well, that felt a little funny and out of character. But then I like that he's um, telling everyone to come on, look lively, (laughs) which I'm imagining him doing like this weird fake grown up voice and this like weird walk. Yeah. And Um, he's like doing some hard claps. 
Yeah. 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 But, it's pretty but then good. He also on, look, says, it's good. Let's start the training program, <laughs> which like I, <laughs> I don't know. All, I just, all three of those separate little like snippets yeah. that I'm picturing him like affect and adult, you know, way of speaking, like all really made me chuckle. Yeah. Um, and Spud's diamond is uh, fictional. Yes. Um, Even I, better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Those are all very good. I just wrote down two that weren't weren't that, but I I do like let's what was it uh, before the training program one, step it up or something like no, that. It's a look look lively. Look lively. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. I put down idea sponge um, because that's how Jesse described Christy and then described herself, and I just thought it was kind of like a weird and slightly gross metaphor. <laughs> and yeah. then I also when they're talking about what events they'll do at the sports festival, Dawn says, Dawn or is it Claudia? One of them says, I think I'll do something track oriented, which I thought mm. was very oh, funny. Claudia, Claudia, Claudia. Yeah. yeah. Track oriented. Um, I have one that Stacy says before the obstacle course competition. She says, <laughs> if he wins, I'll die. Yeah. Which I thought was very Stacy, very yeah. Stacy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a lot of that good also ones. makes for a funny episode title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I like look lively, or if he wins, I'll die. Those are my two favorites. Also, <laughs> let's do if he wins, I'll die. I think it's okay. funnier. Okay. <laughs> Great. Okay, and pizza toast to nationalism. Um, I know. Okay. I was like, sorry. <laughs> How about to Andrew's grit, Andrew Brewer's grit? Oh, yeah, we don't talk about oh, him. Yeah, sobbing as he crosses the finish line. Yeah, in I was third like, place. Yeah, so sad. Yeah, he's yeah. only four and he just keeps trying. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to do that. That earnest of a toast. Sure. Okay. Okay. Pizza toast to Andrew's grit. To, to Andrew's, Andrew's grit. grit. Thanks, everybody. This episode of Stuck in Stony Brook is now adjourned. Thank you to Anna Martin for everything. Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Emily Crandall. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kit. You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both the local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop slash stuck in Stony Brook. Lastly, if you're feeling doubly generous and you want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be super helpful. You're the best friend the girl could ask for.